Pure Land for All, Volume 1 Hard Work Will Certainly Be Rewarded Here at Lingyan Mountain Temple, we hold seven-day retreats, and during our first two years we held one every month. I can tell you that none of those efforts went to waste. Those virtues are still here. Today is the first day of this retreat. All of you are reciting very well, and the percussion instruments are being played very well. Looking back at past retreats, sometimes after three or four days, or even until the retreat was over, the chanting was still not ideal, and the percussion instruments were being played poorly. The percussion instruments should be played at just the right speed, steady, solid, and not too fast. If they are played too fast, you will feel hurried. If they are struck too hard, you will feel irritated. They should be played neither too lightly nor too heavily, and everybody should recite in a tone that is neither too high nor too low. The sound of the recitation should be like a mountain stream flowing calmly downhill. That way you not only feel calm when you recite, but you can also remove karmic hindrances and enhance your blessings and wisdom. If you continue this practice for a long time, you will certainly attain Buddhahood. How should you practice? Follow what we just talked about and persevere in your practice. Success takes time. It is said, hard work will certainly be rewarded. Every action yields an appropriate result. To be able to have done so well on the first day of this retreat must be the result of everyone's accumulated efforts. All you need to do is to continue practicing in this way. Calm your mind and work hard. The thing to be afraid of is not making an honest effort and not being sincere. Seek the Dharma with a truly reverent mind. The results you get from practicing Buddhism come from seeking the Dharma with a truly reverent mind. Sincerity is an inner quality that is manifested in one's manner. If your mind is sincere, your manner will naturally be respectful. When you listen to a Dharma lecture and place your palms together, you are expressing the reverence and sincerity in your heart. This is a natural display of respect that comes straight from your heart. If you carry reverence in your mind, even if you are not told to put your palms together, you still would. Even if you are not told to kneel, you would anyway. Not putting one's palms together is disrespectful. If you feel tired from holding your hands in this position, put them down for a little while. The important thing is to listen calmly with utmost sincerity. For the moment we can be a little more relaxed about putting our palms together. But when sitting you have to sit in the lotus position. At the very least it has to be half lotus. Why? If you cannot sit well then you cannot truly cultivate your mind. If your mind is not calm, you will be bothered by the pain in your legs. The pain in turn will keep you from calming your mind. However, enduring a moment of pain will allow you to make a breakthrough. Therefore, you have to sit in the lotus position. You cannot be casual about this. You have to push yourself. When you first start practicing, you have to force yourself to sit in the lotus position and not let go. Even if your legs hurt, you have to clench your teeth and let them hurt. Only when the pain becomes intolerable should you take your legs out of that position for a moment and then try again. 
What I really want is for you to endure the pain, even when it becomes seemingly intolerable. It is only after a period of intense suffering and hardship that one will be able to sit in the lotus position properly. Do not give up as soon as it starts hurting. Otherwise, even after three years, you will not be able to sit properly. If you can bear the pain, one day the lotus position will not hurt anymore. Not only will it stop hurting, but you will actually feel comfortable. I am speaking from personal experience. If you heed my advice to not give in to hardship, you will one day enjoy inconceivable happiness. If old age prevents you from sitting in the lotus position, or if you just do not have the courage and are afraid to come to a retreat because you fear the pain, then we will have to be a little bit more compassionate and a bit more relaxed. But you cannot just sit holding your knees in front of your chest. That is not acceptable. That is breaking the rules. Practicing the way is like rowing against the current. When our practices do not go smoothly, it is due to obstacles stemming from our past offenses. Let us take our bodies, for example. When we feel slightly unwell, we may not be able to maintain a standing position, much less meditate or sit in the lotus position. This is due to our karma created over the infinite past. The negative karma outweighs the good. In this case, when you want to cultivate virtues, you encounter hardships and obstacles. But when you wish to do bad deeds, you are full of energy. For people who have virtuous roots, even if they have many karmic hindrances, they are not afraid of the hard work that comes with cultivation. Instead, they persevere in order to remove them. These people can certainly succeed. However, it is a different story for those with only karmic hindrances and no virtuous roots. Even if they come across the right conditions, they will still not cultivate. People with virtuous roots do not shy away from their cultivation when they encounter difficulties or experience hardships. But people who lack virtuous roots become dejected and despondent after encountering slight obstacles. From this we can evaluate the depth of our own virtuous roots. At this time you have to take a good, wise look at yourself. If knowing that you have few virtuous roots and many karmic obstacles, you still do not practice strenuously to remove those obstacles, then when will you ever put an end to the cycle of birth and death? Keep this in mind. You must feel great fear of birth and death, and put in energy to practice diligently. Even though the process presents many difficulties, if you are willing to put in the effort, you will overcome them. When there is a will, there is a way. Let us take students studying a text, for example. For intelligent students, once they have read it three times, or even just once or twice, they have it memorized and do not need to read it again. But those who are less gifted might need to read the same text thirty or forty times one night and wake up the next morning having completely forgotten it. Then they have to read it a hundred or a thousand times. If they make an effort, they will eventually have it memorized. Buddhism talks about the law of cause and effect, which spans the three periods, past, present, and future. Suppose in your previous lives you frequently heard the Dharma, 
practiced diligently, planted deep virtuous roots, and cultivated a lot of blessings. Even if you have not encountered the Dharma in this life or were born in a place without Buddhism, due to your profound virtuous roots you will naturally not be swayed into committing an evil action despite coming across negative conditions. Perhaps watching flowers blossom and wilt you will be able to see the impermanence of phenomena, all of which go through creation and destruction. You will unfold your wisdom, or you may become enlightened, re-identifying with your true nature. For example, those who heard the Dharma when Shakyamuni Buddha was on earth, and who followed his teaching of the twelve-linked chain of causation, they are called cause-awakened ones. Then there are those who are born into a world with no Buddha or Dharma to listen to, but through observation of impermanence and the creation and destruction of all phenomena, they become enlightened. These self-awakened ones have unimaginable roots of virtue from previous lives. If your good karma is strong and your bad karma is relatively slight, you will be able to practice Buddhism. But the situation you should be most afraid of is the opposite, your bad karma outweighing the good. In that case, no matter how hard you practice, you cannot make progress in your cultivation. It is like taking a boat upstream when the current is strong. You cannot reach the bottom with your steering pole. You cannot use your rudder, and you are just pulled along by the current. Even with your greatest effort, you are still unable to row against the current. Then what can you do? As the saying goes, cultivating the way is like rowing against the current. If you do not make progress, you will be dragged backward. Therefore, you have to make the greatest possible effort and use every last ounce of energy. Otherwise, you will be unable to resist the flow of the river and be dragged out to sea. Practice diligently to remove your karmic obstacles. If those who have virtuous roots, blessings, virtues, and causal connections make an extra effort in their practice, they can easily receive a response. By calling the name of Avalokitesavara Bodhisattva, also known as Guanyin Pusa, whatever fortune you seek you will receive. If you ask for children, you will get children. If you ask for samadhi, you will get samadhi. And if you seek ultimate nirvana, you will get ultimate nirvana. You will get a response for whatever you seek. But for those with dull faculties, no matter what they seek, they cannot obtain it. How can that be? Is Avalokitesavara Bodhisattva playing favorites? Of course not. You sought something and you received something. So, what did you get? You have had some of your karmic hindrances removed. Just wait until the time when all your hindrances have been removed. Then, whatever you seek will come to you. But for now, your hindrances have not been completely eliminated so you cannot get everything you ask for. Do not be in too much of a hurry. When the time comes, you will naturally get a response. For those who are here to practice for the first time, when distractions arise in their minds, they may think, why is it that when I am at home and not reciting the name of Amitabha Buddha, my mind feels calm? But when I come up here to recite, there are so many delusions and distracting thoughts and my mind is not at ease. 
They think that Buddha recitation is useless, but you must know that this is due to your own karmic obstacles from previous offenses. Even more reason to recite with all your might. In reality, when you are at home, you pass your days in the darkness of delusions and ignorance and do not even realize it. When you come to this serene monastery due to the light of the Buddha's compassion, your mind becomes refreshed and bright, and your wisdom starts to unfold. Naturally, you will sense how many delusions and distracting thoughts you have. This is exactly the kind of realization you will experience when you come here and recite the Buddha's name. How can you come to the same realization at home? Having received the benefit of the Dharma, you should be grateful. Do not turn around and say that coming here to recite the Buddha's name cannot be compared to the peace and quiet at home. That would be ingratitude. Seeking the Wonderful Transcendental Dharma We were just talking about how worldly people ask Avalokitesavara Bodhisattva for fortune, and they get it. If they ask for a son, they get a son. If they ask for a daughter, they get a daughter. What kind of fortune should Buddhists ask for? We should ask for the meritorious virtue of Dharma fortune. And what kind of son or daughter should we ask for? We should ask for a son with wisdom, blessings, and virtues. We should ask for a daughter with a pleasant appearance and demeanor. But even more so, we should seek the wonderful transcendental Dharma. The Buddha took endless eons to cultivate blessings and wisdom, and a hundred kalpas to develop an auspicious appearance. Only with wisdom and blessings can one deliver sentient beings. However, even if one has both, one still needs an auspicious appearance. If one does not have an auspicious appearance, it is difficult to gain people's respect. During Shakyamuni Buddha's time in this world, Whoever glanced at his thirty-two auspicious characteristics would naturally feel great respect, making it easier for them to be delivered. So Buddhists should seek these kinds of precious things, for they are the real transcendental dharma, not the illusory phenomena of the world. Cultivating all virtuous deeds without attachments Pay close attention, everyone. Although we still seek certain things in life, what is the correct way to seek in Buddhism? You need to be unattached to the notions of self, others, and sentient beings. Even though you should not make these distinctions, you still have to cultivate all virtuous deeds. If you misunderstood the concept of non-attachment to the notions of self, others, and sentient beings, thereby ignoring the law of cause and effect, abandoning practical actions, and sticking only to theory, then you will be doing grave harm to yourself. Buddhism is about cause and effect. Practice and theory must work together hand in hand. If you focus on only theory, then you are ignoring cause and effect. Without taking into account the law of cause and effect at the phenomenal level, you cannot hope to attain the truth. Even if you are not attached to self and others, and are free of the notions of dharma and form, you still have to practice at the phenomenal level. If you want to practice well, you must be diligent, and your steps along the path must be firm, so that in the future you will reap the unconditioned results. 
These unconditioned results neither arise nor extinguish. That is the Buddhist path. Practicing good deeds using a mind with attachments is the conditioned dharma, which is impermanent. If you cultivate virtuous deeds, you will enjoy good results, but they are transient. Likewise, if you accumulate negative karma, you will suffer from karmic retributions, but the resulting suffering is also transient. This is impermanence. Because of impermanence, life is not eternal, and death is not the end. Because of this, the cycle of birth and death is never-ending. There is death whenever there is birth, and there is birth whenever there is death. The wheel of birth and death keeps turning, and the suffering never ends. In order to end the cycle of birth and death and be liberated from the boundless sea of suffering, there is only one path to follow, the Buddhist path. How do we follow the Buddhist path? We must have prajna wisdom and fully understand the emptiness of all phenomena. Although the nature of all phenomena is empty, we are still able to take care of things properly and perfectly. What is the Buddhist path? It is not leaving the sentient beings of this world behind to pursue the supramundane Buddhist path. Bear in mind that if you leave sentient beings behind, you cannot attain Buddhahood. The Buddha used to be an ordinary being, but he cultivated and eventually became a Buddha. Therefore, you cannot isolate yourself from sentient beings in your cultivation. You must build positive affinities with all sentient beings and deliver them. You must never establish negative affinities with others. All things in a dream are illusory. The Buddha Dharma says there is no self. Is this true? If it is true, then why do we practice? Suppose there is no self and one commits evil karma. Then even if there is a hell, who will be the one to suffer the consequences? If there are blessings in doing good, who will enjoy the benefits? In order to make sense of this, there must be an existence of self. If you say there is no self, then in terms of cause and effect, who creates the cause and who experiences the effect? If I say there is a self, that is truly contrary to the Dharma. In Buddhism there is definitely no self. So do not ask, in the end, is there a self or is there not? I can tell you with certainty that ultimately there is no self. There will be some people who have doubts and say, If there is no self, then what are we reciting for? There are so many people here in the recitation hall. How can you say there is no one? How can you make people accept such a concept? Let me tell you once again, there truly is no self. You say that there are lots of people in the recitation hall right now, but that is perceiving things through the eyes of a worldly person who takes that which is false to be real. You must realize that all of this is false, just illusions. Now, how can I make you understand and accept this principle of no self? If I only talk about the principle itself, it will not be easy to understand but if I give you an example, you will be able to comprehend this. All of you have had dreams before. In your dreams, 
Do the creatures, the inanimate objects, and for that matter any phenomenon, actually exist? Of course they do. In your dreams it certainly seems like they exist. You cannot say they do not. You would say they exist, but dreams are unreal. They are delusive thoughts and illusions. They do not truly exist. Suppose dreams are real, and you have a dream in which you buy a lottery ticket and you win ten million dollars. When you wake up, are you a millionaire or are you not? The joy you experience in a dream does not exist. The pain you experience in a dream also does not exist. If a poisonous snake bites you in a dream, which startles you and wakes you up, does your body show any signs of a snake bite? Are there snakes in your bed? These are your own delusive dreams. It is your own mind fooling with you. It is all illusory. How can you point to something unreal and say it is real? Do you think that it is real? Truly, dreams do not exist. But can you say they are unreal? Suppose you experience fear in your dream. When you wake up, that feeling stays with you. When you wake up from a happy dream, you still feel like smiling. So in the end, do they exist or not? The truth is that dreams are neither existent nor non-existent. You cannot really say that they exist. Neither can you say that they do not exist. The Buddhist middle way is to say that they neither exist nor do not exist. If you say they exist, or say they do not exist, that means you fall on one side or the other. From a certain perspective, they do exist, yet from another, they do not. In truth, using words to explain the way is cut off. When the mind thinks, all is lost. The truth cannot be verbally expressed nor mentally captured. If you can accept this concept, you can understand the true mark of emptiness. Similarly, the power of Buddha recitation cannot be explicated through words or thoughts. However, simply by holding firmly to the name of the Buddha, you can be reborn in the upper lotus grades of the Pure Land. These are the ultimate truth and the conventional truth of the Dharma. They cannot be conceived of by a mundane person, just like kindergartners cannot understand a university curriculum. The Dharma principles of no-self and emptiness do not deny the existence of worldly phenomena. If you do not have the wisdom to understand what we have been talking about, it is best to develop your wisdom. Or perhaps you lack blessings and virtues, in which case you should cultivate them. Wait until such time when you have perfected your wisdom, blessings, and virtues. Then you will be able to see through the illusory nature of human existence and of the world. The sutras say, There is no self, there is no one who acts, and there is no one who receives the results of the action. Yet there is no extinction of the good and bad karma. I respectfully request that all of you listen to the Dharma more often, think about it more, practice more, do more prostrations, and recite the Buddha's name more. In the end, there will come a time when you will understand. Life in the Saha world is all a dream. 
The dreams that we have when we are sleeping are easy to wake up from. When you wake up, the dream state vanishes. But when will we awake from the dreams that we live through day in and day out? How pitiful we are, unable to escape the sufferings of an illusory mundane world. But do not be afraid. Put effort into your practice. Recite the name of Amitabha Buddha and you will be reborn in the western pure land of ultimate bliss. When that time comes, you will truly wake up from the dream and you will know that this Saha world was only a dream. Originally there was no suffering, but you turned it into suffering and you endured it meaninglessly. Originally there was no joy, but you regarded it as joy, you called it joy. But in the search for that joy, who knows how many offenses you have committed. Once you are awakened, you will realize all of this is illusory. Fortunately, we are not real. We can transform ourselves and become Buddhas through the practice of developing virtues and cultivating the proper causes and conditions. If we, suffering human beings, were real, what a disaster that would be. We would have to suffer for eternity in that case. If we were real, then we would be unable to change. So no matter how we practiced, we would never become a Buddha. Everyone must clearly understand this point. Now, you have heard the Dharma and are practicing it. How can you achieve the state of no self? It depends on whether or not you can see through reality, if you can let go if you can recite well, and if you seek true blessings and wisdom. Gossiping and carrying on erroneous thoughts in your mind brings about suffering that is of no benefit to anyone. Once you understand this, you will put your heart into Buddha recitation and you will practice diligently to attain liberation in this lifetime. It is said, when will there be a better time to save yourself than right now in this life? 